It's wonderful to see you guys this morning. Uh, If you're new or visiting or checking us out, my name is Tony. I'm the lead pastor here. If you've been here the last few weeks, you probably missed me, but I've heard that Daniel and Brandon were awesome, so hopefully they were. Uh, If you are a youngster in elementary school, your teachers are over there, and they would love to hang out with you. So feel free to go over there. If you're an adult and you like playing with Legos, uh, feel free to join them. Uh, They're doing all kinds of cool Lego stuff. It's pretty epic. So this Sunday, uh, you know, we've been traveling through the Gospel of John. It's been awesome. It's been pretty cool. Hopefully it's been good for you guys. It's been super fun for me. But we're going to actually take a break today from John. And we're going to do something that I think is very biblical. So in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, there's this practice of remembering, right? The Hebrew people are often invited to remember what God has done for them as individuals and as a community. In Deuteronomy, there's a constant refrain that they are invited to remember how God set them free from the grip of Pharaoh. Deuteronomy 24:18 is a good example. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord, your God, redeemed you from there. In the Psalms, there's this constant refrain. The Psalter is the the prayer book of the, the Bible. There's this constant refrain to remember the work of God among you. Remember God's goodness to you. And that's what we're gonna do today, actually. We're gonna remember God's goodness to us over the last year. Now, you might be wondering if you're sort of new to Wellspring, you're like, wait, why are we doing that today? Isn't that like for December 31st, like going into the new year? You know, you remember that sort of New Year's Eve, you know, you make resolutions, all that stuff. Why? Why today? Well, it was about this time last year. It was actually July 16th of last year that we started this whole replant adventure. A year ago today, Right, this was my first Sunday. Our family came down here. This was sort of the start of something new. A replan is really like, if you're into tech analogies, uh, we're, south, we're in the shadow of Silicon Valley, so maybe some of us like tech analogies. It's like keeping the hardware and putting in a totally different operating system. That's kind of what we did. We did a full restart. We kept the building, we kept the people, and we said, we're going to do things totally new in line with God's new vision and direction. And that's what we launched here a year ago. It took a huge risk. Now, I wasn't involved with that whole pre-process, but I think that's one of the fascinating parts of the story is how God faithfully showed up from the beginning, even before a year ago to today. Now, to help us get a window into that story and that posture of gratefulness, I just want to invite Paul Davis up here. Give him a round of applause. Now, Paul has been here 55 years. Uh, What grade was it? Fourth grade when you came? Oh, I don't want to date you. Sometime in elementary school. I was was three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. So he was three and a half? Yeah, fifth grade. There, fifth grade. There you go. (laughs) He was really smart, advanced. (laughs) So he was an elder. You know, he's been in this body. He's been a massive part of this congregation for a long time. And one of the things that intrigued me when I heard about the possible replant here was sort of some of these stories. So one of the stories I heard, and feel free to correct me and sort of certainly add texture and nuance, it was there was a local pastor over in Carmel, Rick Duncan. 
and he was praying for this church. I mean, pretty cool. Just as a starting point, there was a local pastor praying for this body. And he was listening to God, and God said to him, yeah, I think you, I want you to call this church and see if there's a way you can help. Right? It wasn't his initiative. God was like, no, I want you to reach out to this community. And then he called, right? And he's like, I want to help. I just want to, maybe just to start with, how did it feel just to even have someone in a local congregation, the competition, you know, uh, <laughs> to them reach out and say, hey, I'd like to help? Well, Maybe just quickly, there's, there's an interesting history in terms of, of our relationship with Rick. Yeah, good. Um, uh, Mike Harbert, who was here for, uh, I forget how many years, probably almost 20 years, when he left as pastor, Former he, went, pastor yeah. he went over to be an associate pastor at Carmel Press. Uh, several years, pro- well, about th- three years ago, four years ago, um, our office... Uh, did a large, uh, did an expansion and remodel of mm-hmm. Karma Press. So uh, my father and I knew Rick. And so it was interest. it wasn't a surprise maybe that he called us, yeah. but it certainly was a surprise with the offer that he had. Um, at that point, we had uh, gone through a, a mission study. We had a, a temporary, I forget the official name, Don interim. Was interim pastor, who was helping us through that. But we were, at, we were really at a point where we didn't know what to do what next. And I know, I felt, you know, over the 50 whatever years I've been here, we've been through several transitions. But this time, there was just uh, something in my mind that said, you know, can we really, can we really continue? Mm-hmm. Is, is, can we really continue here? And I think based upon feeling, I don't, I don't want to say desperate, but just wondering how God's going to work, opened us up to consider this incredible gift that Rick had. And he said that he and others had been praying for us, and that what he would like to do is come alongside us, raise money to help us in what God is planning to do here. Yeah, and one of the cool things, as I sort of heard the story, was that there was a guy named Mike Murphy who's sitting over there. He doesn't want me to single him out, but he's right over there, <laughs> fourth row up on the corner. Um, and uh, he was there, and he had been connected to EMEA, the Anglican Mission in America, and he had been a part of helping do church planting throughout the hu- all of the United States. So Rick calls, and he's like, hey, you know what? I actually, I, I might have a person in our body that can help with this process. Now, as I heard the story... One of the things that stood out to me is one of the initial analogies that when Mike came that he used, and it's a, it's a, it was pretty stark. It was something like, you guys are a field. And are you willing to hand God the keys to the bulldozer that's on the other side of the field? <laughs> and are you going to allow God to take that bulldozer and go through the field so that you can have a totally new planting and a new harvest? Are you willing to really start over? That's a pretty intense analogy. And I was just yeah. sort of curious, like for you, well, it, was that like, holy smokes, like, <laughs> what do we do with that? Like, why did you say yes? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I know, sorry. We're going a little no, live here. Well, yeah. I, we, I, I think, I mean, it, it sounds like I should say this, but it's true. Uh, then I'll explain. Um, I mean, we were... Um, we, were, we wanted God to, 
take us somewhere. And I think we were, we were open to what he wanted to do here. Now, uh, that, something that extreme, uh, we really had to, had to talk about that because it, it meant that, um, that, we would be, that we would have to be willing to accept God's plan but not modify it <laughs> according to how we were doing church or like to do church. Yeah. Um, we, would have to, we would have to give up our preferences in terms of maybe how the church was run, how uh, Sunday mornings we're going, Felt, to, yeah. we're, we're going to roll out. I mean, uh, there, we, have a, we have a great organ there. Maybe it might not be played for a while. And would, be, would we be willing, as, as, a, as a church member here, would I be willing to give all that up and let God work the way he wanted to work? It's cool. And uh, we remember we had, a, we had a, a congregational meeting, and that was the question. Are you willing to put aside all that you want to do and let God do it? Which brings me to, so there's this really cool moment, as I sort of heard it, uh, when there was this MOU, this memorandum of understanding that was signed and sort of endorsed by the congregation, that we would, the congregation would set aside all of their preferences and allow God to lead, even if it was a totally new and different way. And I, the way I heard it, the congregation, if you've been in that room, was on the lower floor. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul Davis Sr., your dad, right. and then Don, who was the interim pastor, were up top and were reading it out mm-hmm. for the congregation. And they were like, yeah, we're going to do it. Yeah. Sounds like a really profound <laughs> moment. Right. Well, I think there had to be a stamp on that decision. Um, you know, we could all make that decision personally. Yeah. But I think when we could stand there corporately and all agree that um, uh, that, that was, I mean, that really helped solidify us as a group of people at that time. It's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I just am so grateful for you. And I, maybe just take a second. If you were here during that MOU process, could you stand for a second? I just want you guys to take a look around for a second. These are the people who were willing to take an incredible risk of faith. I just think when I think about this last year, this is one of the most beautiful sort of foundation pieces of all that we have done. It was you guys. You guys were willing to set aside maybe things that you had loved, things that you had come used to and say, all right, Jesus, we are going to let you lead us. And I just want to say, I am inspired by you. And I think you guys have set an amazing example that we are invited to follow. Let's give them a round of applause. Just amazing. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Paul. That was great. So as I mentioned, right, this all was happening before I arrived. Now, I learned about this replant in December of 2017. So this was about a year and a half ago. And I remember I uh, went over to Mike's house and Paul Davis Sr. was there. Don, who was the interim pastor, was there. Rick Duncan was there. And they started to share a little bit with me about their vision for this. It was a pretty audacious vision, actually. So my family was living up in Washington, and they're like, okay, right now, in the United States, they didn't do these exact stats, but something like this, you know, the church in America is struggling. Right now, if you look around the United States, there are old buildings that are about to become yoga studios, right? 
You have all of these beautiful old buildings. Right now, the Southern Baptists alone lose 900 churches every single year. 70% of American churches are in decline. The question is, what do we do about it? Their proposal was this. What if... What if we took this group of people in this place, those people that you just saw standing and said, what if we did a full replant in this place? They have this amazing building. These people are ready and willing to set aside their preferences to see God at work. What if we came in here and figured out how to do this thing here and then started to create a movement in the peninsula and in the denomination and maybe even in the nation saying, we are going to replant churches that are struggling but are willing that come in with these people with hearts of gold that have followed Jesus for 50, 60, 70 years and said, what if we partnered with them and brought new energy and new life to do something crazy for God? And I heard that and I was like, okay, you're serious. I have to say, I was, pretty, I was pretty engaged. I was pretty interested, but I had to come and see it for myself. It's one thing for someone to say, we're going to do this cool thing, and then you show up, and it's like, this ain't going to happen, you know? So I was in Washington. Our family moved down. This is one of our first weekends, right? We wanted to get a sense of like, okay, so what's going on here? Now, the thing I was most anxious about was our worship, right? Because I cannot sing. I'm Tone deaf is maybe a little too strong unless you stand next to me in the pews and then you know it's probably not too strong. But I couldn't lead worship. So I invited a buddy of mine to come down because I wanted the congregation to get a feel of this is where we're going. It was Thursday afternoon. I had basically cajoled him to come down. He was like, I'm super busy. I was like, you have to. Thursday afternoon, I get a call from him. Some of you have heard this story. He had been mountain biking. He had fallen off his mountain bike and gotten a concussion. He's calling me from the ER on Thursday afternoon saying, there's no way I can come. I'm, so you have like anxiety at level five. I was like level nine. I was like sweating, you know. An hour later, I get a call from John sitting right here and Amy, his wife, saying, hey, we're wondering if we could lead that, lead your worship, help you with worship. Uh, and they had no idea about my buddy. God was just working. And it was this moment of like, oh my gosh, God, are you actually going to provide? They came in, they led, and I was like, hey, do you guys have an interest in maybe sticking around? And they have been here ever since. We showed up that Sunday, right? They led, and I, I was uh, the primary story. Maybe some of you will remember this story. It was a story about Crag Mountain. Because I wanted to set expectations. I wanted to kind of give a, one of those messages where people are like holding on a little bit, you know, their little white knuckle kind of message. Because I wanted to know, are we serious here? So I told this story of a backpacking trip I did with two of my buddies, with Gus and Josh. Josh and I did uh, more like ultra marathon stuff in the mountains. So we were pretty comfortable with this hike. Gus, on the other hand, he was like, oh, I can do it. You know, it was about 30 miles in a little under 24 hours. So this was like, not chump change, through the mountains in the Cascades. We're like moving. Gus starts off with this really rapid pace thinking, oh, I'm going to rock this. He's going, he's going. And then we hit Crag Mountain. Have you ever had that moment where your legs are so tired, you're like literally using your arms to pull your legs? Have you ever done that? That was Gus going up Crag Mountain. And he made it to the top and he was exhausted. He hated the trip. But at the end, he was like, that was the best adventure I have been on in a decade. 
And I use that story as a way of saying, hey, there are going to be moments when we do this replant, if we really go forward together, when we are going to hit Crag Mountain. And we're probably going to hit it not once, but twice, and maybe three, maybe four times. And you're going to get to that moment where you're going to want to give up. And the question I said to the congregation was, what are you going to do? And I used as my text for that morning, Psalm 121, which is a psalm of ascent. It's a story of pilgrims walking to Jerusalem. This is how it reads. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch you, watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. And my question to the congregation that morning was, are you willing when you hit Crag Mountain to look to the Lord? to look to Jesus, to look to the Spirit to guide you rather than crumbling and giving up and being like, I'm going back to the car. Were you willing, are you willing to do that? And what I did is I put a cross, a big old cross up on the stage and I said, what I want you to do is I want you to lay anything that will hinder you. I want you to write it on a piece of paper and lay it at the foot of this cross. And I had buddies come down from San Jose to discern and listen and say, what's, is God, is this place, is this fertile soil? And as we entered into worship, I asked everyone to respond. And every single person got up, walked up, and laid their burden, their obstacle at the foot of that cross. And I remember there was this one elderly woman who couldn't make it up the stair. And there were two gentlemen that held her hand so that she could put that little piece of paper into that basket saying, no matter what, I am going to continue to follow Jesus in this adventure, no matter how hard it gets. And I remember my friend David, who came down to discern and listen, he came up to me after it. He's like, God is doing something here. This people is ready and willing to be planted and respond. It was clear to me that God was up to something. But I had this sort of insecurity in myself, right? I was like, but they're ready, but am I? You know, <laughs> have you ever had that moment? You're like, this is perfect, but I am going to fall on my face, you know? And God uh, kept bringing me back to Isaiah. We had a bunch of people praying with us and for us, and we kept coming back to this verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, 19. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God was consistently going back to this, the beginnings, right? I, Tony, it's not about you. It's not even about this church. God is going to do a new thing. That's what he kept saying as we were sort of leaning into this replant. He is going to do a new thing. And it's going to be new. It's not going to be the same old thing. This is going to be different. And he was going to make a way in the wilderness, right? If you're going to go look for a road, you do not go into the wilderness. You go into civilization, right? If you're going to look for a river, where do you go? You don't go to the desert. 
right? In order to have a river flow in the, del- in the desert, you need a wellspring where water comes up and then river starts to flow. We took these as signs that God was up to something, so we came. Right on July 16th, last year, we started this replant. You know, many of you guys had trusted in God. You were excited, you were ready, but we didn't know what God would do. It was a huge risk. At first, I think we had about 60 folks. Average age was about 65 to 70. I think we had one couple under 40 at that point. Uh, I remember one Sunday we came and our kids were the only kids in, that, in the child care that, at that, that Sunday. I remember feeling like something was changing when a first, one of the first couples showed up. And you know, when you're sort of looking for younger couples, you're a little desperate at that point. So I remember like, I think it was Paul and Lauren. Paul's here. Uh, I think, I mean, he can attest to it. I think probably everyone in the congregation said hello to him that Sunday. He and Lauren and Mitch, like, oh my God, we're so excited you're here. <laughs> I love the stories of how people arrive too. Paul and Lauren showed up that day because their alarm didn't go off. And so they're like, okay, what's the church, closest church to us? Okay, there. Boom, they're here, you know. One of my favorite stories, though, is how Randy showed up. Randy's biking by over here, and he sees the church. And he had been trying out a bunch of churches in PG, and he just didn't feel like it just didn't resonate. So he's biking by, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to go there, you know. Then he hears Amy singing. She's not here today, but she was singing, and he's like, oh, that's a beautiful voice. And the Spirit said to him, no, go in. I'm not going in, you know. Keeps biking. He's like, oh, fine, you know. Turns his bike, comes in, and God begins to speak and invite him to be in this place. And Randy, since that day, right, has been here and been this huge part of all the changes that you see in the building. He was one of the first people to paint, you know, those kids' rooms in that, in the fellowship hall when you see them, right? Those were, I think those were table storage and cleaning supply storage rooms when we first got here. I knew something had changed when one Sunday, uh, one of the elder members of our group community came up to me and was like, you know, Tony, I'm feeling a little nervous. I was like, oh, nervous. Okay, yeah. He's like, you know, before there weren't so many little kids running around. And I feel like if you've been around, you know, like 20 preschoolers, they're like, you know, they're like just Tasmanian devils running. They're like, I feel like I'm going to get knocked over, you know? You're like, okay, something is changing. I remember in the fall having this other experience of someone after service, I said, hey, can I get five or six guys that can pick up furniture and just move stuff out? We were just in this massive house cleaning mode. And these guys, you know, five or six, 10, I don't know, just came. It was just effortless. And this woman comes up to me, like nearly weeping. She says, do you know how many years it has been? since we could make an announcement after church and there were enough able-bodied younger people to carry things through the church. I knew something was changing when I came to the elders meeting that month and you just watched as the smiles and the hope filled the room. Right? These people who are willing to take this huge risk, they're seeing God bring new life into a place that they love. I really knew 
things were changing, right? When we're having to add rooms in the kids' community, and then Easter comes around. I know for launch, up to Easter, I had invited all of you guys to be praying for people you could invite into this space so they could experience Jesus and draw nearer to him. And it was the first time in 45 years that this building, this sanctuary was full of people. We even had to put chairs in the back row. It was the first time in 45 years that this room had been filled for something other than a funeral. It was filled for life and not for death. God said to me and says to us, I think, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, a river in the desert. And over the last year, we've seen God do that. As this body has grown by two or three times, we've multiplied communities. We have 10 or so nonprofits meeting in here throughout the week, right? We've had all kinds of bonfires and gatherings that are sort of including people outside the church. But the truth is, that's just the tip of the iceberg. One of the things I did for this Sunday, I just literally came back from vacation on Thursday and I was like, I just sent out a bunch of texts like, hey, can you write a couple things of like, how God has met with you over this last year. These are some of the things people said. People reached out to me. This is one person. People reached out to me during one of the most difficult and isolating periods of my life. This started a complete overhaul of my life that was long overdue. Slowly, my heart cracked and opened again to God. After being closed off for more than a decade, People's willingness to listen and care and concern reflected the love and compassion of Jesus. I tried to see if I could go even one Sunday without crying during church, and I didn't make it. I always cried because there was something that my heart needed. I feel for the first time in a long time the heavy fog is lifting. And it's because the people of Wellspring were selfless enough to reach out to me and show the love of Christ. I have a long way to go on my spiritual journey, but I know I am inching nearer towards Jesus instead of drifting away. I've learned that it is not about being in the club or out. It's about drawing closer to the person of Jesus. Here's another one. I've experienced a real receiving of the Spirit. I've seen God's hand slowly bringing new life into this place, and I've been moved to tears by the newness of the life that I see. I've become much more attentive to all that God is doing in my life and around the church at the same time. I am grateful and excited about moving forward. There's another one. Over the last year, my eyes have been opened to the reality of suffering in the world and in the lives of the people I love. I'm grateful to have a community here at Wellspring to walk alongside me. Now the importance of God's power, strength, and grace are no longer just sort of head knowledge but in my heart. Here's another one. If I had to pick just one word or picture for the year, it would be anchor. It's been a process of this this year of going deeper and letting Christ become my anchor. Going deeper inside my world, deeper into relationships, deeper into God, deeper into His work in my heart. I'm learning more and more how to find myself and center myself in Him. And as I do, I see myself becoming more confident and less insecure. 
more self-aware and less affected by all that swirls around me, more filled by his love and better able to love, more clear of who he is and who he has made me to be. God is so good and I'm so grateful. Another one. I've learned that everyone struggles with sin. Also that God is less disappointed in me that I sin and more disappointed when I deny him in his forgiveness. I have also learned that being faithful means continuing to grow as well as accepting that I will stumble along the way. Wellspring is the first church I have attended in years where I experienced God's work in me as well as the profound welcome of God's people. Another one. I have learned a lot about being kind to myself as I pursue God to the best of my ability. Dropping pretense and expectations, just trying to love him more, know him more, and rest in him. Finding more freedom in using gifts that God has given me. And really focusing on the fact that they're his gifts. I don't do anything to create them. I just use them to his glory and enjoy the blessing of being able to do so. One last one. Wellspring has been a very unexpected gift from our Lord. And the 10 years prior had been a very long season of me being pruned and shaped, although I didn't recognize it until this year. I had been at a wall in my faith. And it was through honest talks with folks at Wellspring, praying with my brothers and sisters here, and re-engaging with my gifting that I've been able to break through. I'm in love with this community. God is doing a new thing. And the truth is, if we had all of us who've been around share their stories, we would just be touching the beginning of what God is up to in this place. But remember, if you remember at the very beginning, when I sat on Mike's couch in his house, this wasn't simply about this place. It was about creating a movement. You know, the crazy thing is in the last two months, two churches, because of the growth they've seen here, because of the transformation they've seen, have actually reached out to us about being replanted. Mike and Alan just went to a church yesterday that says, no, we want to go down this path. Help us. God is doing a new thing in this place. Those are just some of the stories that I remember. I just want to check out this video. Maybe it captures a few more. In November of 1891, Mayflower Church was founded. And it grew and thrived over the years. And it's this amazing place that has really been a place where people have encountered the person of Jesus. They've been transformed. Families have grown up together. I'm Paul Davis. Came here as a four-year-old. And have, of course, been attending ever since. There was just a life in this church in the 60s and 70s that I remember experiencing. And it's happening all over again. My name is Danielle Carpenter. At the time when we first started coming, there was a lot of uh, tribulations that were going on family-wise with my extended family, and it was just kind of um, pressed on my heart to, to be here and to seek God. We just really loved it as soon as we got here. It was just kind of like, this is where 
we can be easily. My name is Paul E. Davis, and I've been at this church for 56 years. What's been amazing is the number of new families that we've had, and that's been refreshing. Our, our children's uh, ministry has gone from six kids, one or two family, uh, be, before Tony came to, I don't know, 25, 30 children, many different families. As I've just seen people excited about the process, excited about uh, the change, uh, again, it's brought a, a great hope and uh, I think it has revolutionized my, my faith. I'm Amy Eldridge and I've been here a year. I made it in my heart's desire to reconnect uh, with the Lord in a deeper way, but I just, I was just stuck. To have that fire reignited and to get in touch with my calling from when I was 16 years old, um, it's pretty awesome. My name's Claire and I'm seven years old, so it's different that there's more kids. God is on the move. And the coolest part about it, in many ways for me, has been watching the individual transformation. The sort of refrain early on is, we might be replanting this church, but God is replanting my heart. It might sound a little silly, but it was so true. As God was bringing fresh air and fresh spirit experiences of Jesus that were shaping and transforming people. cool little video. It's fun. So at the beginning of this message and almost a little over a year ago, I shared the story of Crag Mountain, right? And we've, over the last year, we've gone over many Crag Mountains and we've seen God do these incredible things. Now, as many of you know, the last couple of weeks, I was uh, spent a fair amount of time in the Sierras and uh, I was on this longish hike uh, yeah, you know that one. Thank you for recommending it. And uh, through the Ansel Adams Wilderness, this is on the John Muir Trail. Just an epic, epic, cool hike. And I, you know, I'd gone through these awesome lakes, and I came to this meadow. There was just this beautiful meadow where you could just kind of kick back and relax. And as I was standing there, I felt like God said, Tony, this is what this day is about. This is about sitting in that meadow and recognizing, man, how far we have come, right? The people that were here a year and a half ago, you know how big a deal it is that we are here where we are today. It is a big and beautiful thing. And that's why we take a whole Sunday to say, God, thank you for honoring the risk and the faith and the trust of this community. But the truth is, the hike was never about meeting this meadow. And God said to me as we were sitting there, he's like, see those mountains beyond? That's where we're going. We didn't do this replant here in this church to make it to year one and be like, woo, we rocked it, you know? And I was thinking about like, so what does it mean now? Where are we going? Where do we want to be in three years? 
I feel like there was three things in particular God was saying. Like, I think because we've had so many new people, one of the major things that we need to lean into over the next two years is how do we come together? How does the unity of this body reflect the unity of the Trinity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, together in unity, in peace, in love. How do we move together? Not just as isolated individuals coming to a Sunday morning worship time, but how do we live our lives interconnected in a beautiful way that testifies to the unity of God in a divided, divided nation and world? I think over the next two years, there's a lot there. How are we laying down our lives in service of Jesus and in love of God's people in community together, inviting each other into our homes and into our lives? Two, I think Jesus is calling us to a deeper intimacy. Getting to those mountains, we're going to go back. Stay on the, there we go. Back one more. The picture, there you go. Getting to those mountains in three years is about going deeper with the person of Jesus as individuals and as a community. Right, that Jesus isn't someone that is a part of our life, but is the anchor and foundation of our life. Someone that we can really go deeper with. And three, right, getting to those mountains is not simply for us as a community. It's not simply for our connection to Jesus, but that we can be a blessing and make an impact in the world. Right, I want us to be the kind of church in three years where if you walk around PG in the peninsula, people are like, oh yeah, I've heard of Wellspring. People outside the church are like, yeah, that church, that church really loves people. That church hosts people. That church serves this community. I would love in three years that we don't just have stories of potential replants, but what if in three years we had two or three other churches that were saying, we are experiencing the same kind of transformation. That's what I think it means to get to those mountains. Two things in particular I think God is inviting us to in the practical sort of every day over the next nine to 12 months. That'll be the next one. First is this. Right? We need to be the kind of people that are still looking to Jesus. Remember Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's easy in the midst of life, in the midst of transition, in the midst of growth and change to look to all kinds of other things, particularly our own anxiety, fear, sense of isolation. We're, ah, we don't know anyone. I'm overwhelmed. Versus looking to Jesus. And I think if we want to be the kind of people that grow into God, who God wants us to be, it begins here. Second, I think it begins with us sort of looking to Jesus as we journey together. Right? And this togetherness is offering our gifts, our time, our money in service of the mission of this place. It means offering our homes and hospitality to one another. It means listening to Jesus as he invites us to say, what are your gifts? How does it manifest in this place and in the community? My friends, this journey, hopefully you can see from today, didn't start with one person. It started with a community of people coming together, laying down their preferences and following the Spirit. I think that's what's going to lead us forward too. This place will never, we will never make it to those mountains in the far distance if we're just doing it on our own. It's going to be as we look to Jesus and as we journey together 
that we will experience the abundance and provision of God's goodness in our lives. Now, as we sort of move towards worship, I'm going to invite the worship team up. One of the things we're going to do this morning is we are going to celebrate communion together. One of the, I think, beautiful pictures, well, one, Jesus tells us to remember him, right, by, rem- by celebrating communion. It's going back to the beginning, and right? In Deuteronomy, we were, they were invited to remember God, setting them free from Pharaoh. And in the New Testament, Jesus says, how do we remember him? How do we celebrate him? Right, by breaking bread and drinking wine in remembrance of his goodness and sacrifice and love to us. And one of the things that we're going to do this morning that I think captures what it means to look to Jesus and move together is as we celebrate communion, we're going to all stand up and move towards the person of Jesus, the risen Christ in the communion elements. And what we're going to do is we're going to move together, right? This isn't, we're all doing it individually in the back of the church. We're moving together towards the person of Jesus today as an act of what we want to do over the next year and the next decade in this place. Be a people that move close to Jesus together. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. He gave thanks. He said, this is my body broken for you. He took wine. He said, this is the, this wine is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and for all so that sins may be forgiven drink. And as I invite you up, I'm going to, there'll be four of us up here. I just invite you to take the bread. I'm going to say, this is Jesus' body broken for you. You're going to grab a piece of bread and I'm going to say, this is Jesus' blood shed for you. I just invite you to take a piece and dip it into the wine. Before you do that, I just invite you just to sit for a second as we begin singing And if there is anything that you feel like you need to confess or bring to the presence of Jesus, anything that will hinder you on this journey, just invite you to confess it to him, saying, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to see your glory in the land of the living. God, I think this might get in my way. I give it to you. If you're serving communion, if you want to come up and help me with that, that'd be great. As you're ready, feel free to come forward.